Gaming NBS episode 262 coming to you Sunday, September 29th, 2019. Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm the S. I'm the B. How you doing? Glad to have everybody here. Good to have you all back. How was your weekend, Sean? It was uh, relatively uneventful, minus a car accident that happened right in front of me. But, other, but, it, <laughs> Which, but it was in all right, front so of me. I got to ask you, was it aimed at you? Because 40, 40 or 50 feet in front of me, like literally front row. Good God. Yeah, I dodged that one. I, uh, I wait, mean, you dodged another one. Don't say that I, one. You dodged, dodged another one. Oh, my God. And, and I had to pull over because I was like front row witness. It was the most bizarre crash was, I'd ever so seen. So I'm going to ask, was anybody hurt? Is everybody okay? Well, they took one dude off. Oh, Jesus. Um, well, sometimes that's like precautionary. You never know. So. Yeah. Well, he was in his car kind of making like 20 phone calls. Like you, it was, <laughs> it was like... I'm like, hey man, you okay? Sorry, I gotta do yeah, selfie. man. Sorry, I gotta do selfie. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me. Yeah, this. no, Let he's me. like, no, he was just like, yeah, man. And then he's like, call, like, call, just making like a lot of calls. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing, dude? Like, just relax. Yeah, yeah you can just bellow, mellow out, dude. Oh man, but anyways, um, everything, yeah, everything was fine. I didn't do anything special. You, Brett, did you hunt? Did you find anything? I did not go. Hun- I did not go hunting this weekend. I was gaming. You gamed. Yeah. That's a good weekend. Yeah, Friday was D and D, and Saturday I kicked off my Delta Green game. So Ooh. it was good. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into that. Cool. So let's see here. Announcements wise, evercon.org. I gotta keep pumping my little convention. Um, go out there. We have what twenty some events now, or low low twenty like twenty one, twenty two events have popped up. We usually get. A lot more coming in October, which is, is today is September 29th. October is like in a day or two, right? So anyway, if you're going to be able to make it, it would be great. Get out there, get some events up, because the more events we have, as always, we usually have hundreds of them. And as you start creeping up in that space, other gamers start showing, oh, there's a lot going on. Wow, oh, there's plenty of cool things to do, and so on. Our T-shirts are up, so you can purchase those when you buy your discounted badges. Because, if, of course, if you buy a discounted weekend badge, or I should say buy a weekend badge now, you get it as a discount and be more expensive at the door. So, evercon.org. Get your ass there. Do something. Be cool. Love to see more BSers there running games. So, just giving Bust and Sean a little bit before it. They showed up last year, just hung out and played. And I'm like, dude, you got to come up and you got to run a game. So run a game. We'll see what happens. Evercon exclusive. Evercon exclusive, yeah. You can show up and play with Sean. Yeah, bring, play with I, me. I'll bring people. That'll bring people. Come on, play my game. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Any other announcements, man? Anything big, crazy? Nothing? No, I don't think anything. All right, let's go random encounter then and just keep on cooking. All right, random encounter. Dropped the last week's episode a little late, so not a ton of feedback yet, except from one individual. Mm-hmm. But uh, who should start here? You start, me start. You start, you. Sorry, lost my mind there. Blake Ryan on RPG character sheets. Good day, fellas. Hope you are both both well. Regarding character sheets, when approaching a new game, one of the first things I do is check the character sheet. Too much clutter puts me off and warns me the rule system may well be the same. During the 90s, I overdosed on derived attributes and dice pools and now avoid games with such things. Agree with Brett regarding World of Darkness sheets telling you how many points to spend on attributes and skills made my character generation and task resolution flow quicker. Agree with Sean that character sheets that look like something from the game helps get into character. Current version of Star Trek character sheets look like it's straight off a data pad in Next Generation. That's actually called the Elkars um, thing. Oh, okay. Well done. Yeah. If you Google Lacar, L-C-A-R-S. All right. All right. Yeah. Keep going. In my game, Don't Pay the Ferryman, the playbooks have been updated 30 times, while the core game has been revised 6.15 times. 6.15. 
It's it's the point five, <laughs> the point oh five that really gets you. It is anyway. That was where the big changes came in. Yeah. Why why thirty times? Because how you get your game style, tone, and core activities across to the players is just so freaking important. It's like basic training. When offering a new game to your group, search the internet for character sheets first. You will find your game goes over way smoother with the right sheet. Roll high, roll often. Blake Ryan. That's good, man. Blake, I like I like what you said there, and I should have said the same thing, but I do. When I pick up a new game, I go, oh, this is interesting. I flip to find the character sheet. A friend of mine used to do the same thing, Dave Schneider. Schneider would grab the book, flip, 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 go, oh. Go, well, I guess, look at this fucking thing. I'm like, Jesus Christ, it looks like an algebra textbook. He goes, yeah, this game's going to suck. <laughs> he would he would completely judge based on character sheet because he wanted something that was simple or that made sense looking at it, and it wasn't overly cluttered where it looked like there was a lot of crap that had to be done on it. And it's sometimes it's aesthetic. Sometimes it's, again, personal preference. We talk about all the time. But, yeah, I do the same thing, man. I do grab a new game, go to the character sheet. How complicated is this? Is it one page, five pages, three pages? Is there a workbook plus, you know, that's good stuff. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Thanks, Blake. Thank you, Blake. So moving on, Jeff Goad on the last topic, um, why so serious. Uh, he said, you guys took a complicated topic and handled it beautifully. Kudos. Also, I'm not sure if it's the file or just my phone, but there were some audio skips and glitches um, about the 35-minute mark. Uh, may have just been on my end, but I've never experienced that before with your show or listening to a show on Patreon. So I figured I'd let you all know. But anyway, great job. And there's a good reason you're my favorite gaming podcast, Jeff. Hey. Ah, super sweet, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. And I did fix that issue. Um, and I hope it was only it was only Patreons actually that encountered that. Okay. So I listened to the Patreon version. And then if I notice there's an issue, I go back and change the one that I upload for the masses. Uh-huh. So before the masses got theirs, they should have gotten the the clear version. I don't honestly have any idea what had happened. Huh. But and then I re-uploaded the Patreon one. The problem with that is it's complicated. I won't explain a ton of it, but regardless, you can't simply delete. It can be tricky. You can't delete it and then re-download from Patreon unless you use a different app. I think then you can. But if you're huh. using like podcast, I think I use Overcast. So if I use Overcast and I downloaded it from the RSS from Patreon and it sounds messed up and I delete that one and I re-download it, you'll re-download the same stupid one. Oh. It's like it's got it's it has a sticky connection. Yes, it does. Okay. So just so everybody knows. But anyways, but anyway, if you, if you got issue. it and you had an issue with the audio about the 2450 mark, let us know. But yeah. otherwise, it should be cleaned up, he says. Yeah. Otherwise, go to uh, iTunes or Android, wherever you get your favorite podcast. But thank you the, for thank you for calling in or yes. calling it, writing in, Jeff, because we took your name in vain <laughs> a few times on it. Used uh, your email and your note to us as kind of part of the catalyst for the conversation. So I'm glad you approve. Thank you very much, sir. DM Kojo on middle school GMing. Is he about? Oh, wonder. Okay. Oh, I've got a couple ways this could go. Which is interesting. He's writing in because I figure he's got this down. Yeah. Or has he got middle schoolers who are GMing? Not GMing for middle schoolers. Let's let's listen and find out. That's right. When we get back from this commercial break. Oh, the cliffhanger. Just kidding. Greetings, BSers. I'm writing in to get some advice regarding middle school GMing. My son Chase has been running games for his middle school friends for a few years. He often expresses frustrations about how they are unfocused, and he feels he is not a good GM because he can't control them like I can when I run games for them. Oh, Brett's going to have something for this for sure. I assure him that they behave for me because I am an adult and that he shouldn't be so hard on himself. Which I wholeheartedly agree, and I have no kids. I absolutely agree. You're, that's, yeah. that's I have had to say the same thing to AJ and Ilana. Yeah, it's it's different circles, man. I act differently in front of my boss than I do with Brett, than I do with yeah Wayne Humphrey. Nah, than I do Wayne's with my wife. <laughs> me and me and Wayne, we all you know grab ass. That's what we do. Well, that's because it's Wayne. Right, that's exactly right. He doesn't listen to us anymore. We'll pick no, on Wayne. I know. <laughs> Carry on. 
He decided that he wants to run a game of DCC RPG at UConn in November and then run the same scenario at GaryCon in March. I had him run the scenario with his friends last weekend while I supervised and helped herd the cats. He did okay, but I know he is still lacking some confidence about the con games. This is especially the case since most of the people signed up for his UConn game are adults. Ah. He worries that he won't run a good game. So my question is, what tips can you offer to middle schooler, a middle schooler, running a game for adults at a con? My hope is that Brett <laughs> has some experience seeing this done at EverCon. Since I never ran for adults when I was a teenager, I am lacking some insight into this dilemma, and I would love to hear your take on it so I can share the wisdom with Chase and hopefully alleviate some of his concerns. Thanks, Kojo. Cool that he's doing that, man. Kojo, that's awesome. Yeah. That Chase wants to give that a go. I think there are... Now, um, let's. I want to I wanna just say something quick though, yeah, before any other... Com- <laughs> just because Chase is experienced in this and he's a middle schooler, this could be anybody. Yeah, I was just going to say, every before every con game... If my wife is there or my friends are there and Sean has seen me and he goes, you okay? So I got to run a game. He's like, it's Avalon, man. You can run this game. I'm like, yeah, I'm nervous. Sean looks at me and goes, why are you fucking nervous? Like, I'm just nervous. Every con, every con I run a game, just before the game, I get nervous. I have no idea why. Performance anxiety, whatever. I'm always worried. Always nervous. Yeah, I think I get a little bit like that too. Yeah. Because you got to make sure like I don't forget about the nuances. <clears throat> exactly. And I think that was, <clears throat> excuse me, when AJ and Alana wanted to run the first time at Evercon, my daughter was terrified. So what she did was she made sure she made her own game. It's about these little puppies that are protecting children from evil dreams. Did she run it for kids or adults? She ran it for kids. And she said, well, I want to do this, but I really want to make sure it's for kids. So we picked an age group that was... That she could that she could deal with this, and she's like, I'm really, really nervous and really scared. I said, Well, I have to run the con, so I can't sit next to you, but let's run the game for me. So she ran the game for me. Um, I helped her streamline some pieces of it where it was too open. Where I said, Hey, <clears throat> these are kids; they're going to go crazy at this point, or they'll probably have this. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a good idea. So I helped her give her pointers in streamline, 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 and by that is if. Chase railroads, that's okay. He's a kid, right? So I think he pulls out the Sean Kelly uh, patented uh, conductor's hat, hands out the tickets. I think that would be fine. Somebody say train. There we go. Um, the other thing I have found is that most adults that sign up for a game and see a kid as the GM tend to be like, oh, this will be fun. They want to be helpful. Yes, there might be some asshole out there. However. Wow, there may be one that they think they're being helpful, but it's like. Yeah, you're not helping. You're also wanting the kid to run the game. Yeah. Yeah. So, so have, it's like a uh, baseball game. like Yeah, a little know. bit. So, Kojo, I, you're not here, so I'm going to ask you this. Maybe you can respond in time. Is when he set up the game for UConn, is he stating that? I'm a middle school aged person running this game or not. Or, the, or is there even a way to do that? Yeah. I don't know. And sometimes there know. is sometimes in the description, I'm running a game, blah, blah. I don't know. I, yeah. I'm asking because if you did, when people show up, they they have, they already have the expectation that, Oh, it will be a person much smaller and younger than me running this thing. Um, now Kojo, I, I'm not, <clears throat> this is not helicopter parenting, but I would not be adverse to saying, Hey, I'm going to hang out by you for a while and make sure it gets going. Or, yeah, and, or and, even and, check in and, come and by. help you set up. Yeah. And then once it starts flowing, I actually Dang. did that for Alana and AJ at Evercon. Uh, I ran over. How's it going? Got your character sheets, buddy. You got all your stuff you need. Says, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty nervous. I said, okay, that's cool. I'm going to, I got to go check on somebody back in five minutes. I come back in five minutes. He's talking, kind of setting the scene. And I saw somebody was playing, didn't have dice. And I said, do you have dice? I said, no, I really need some. I said, AJ, you have those extra dice. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> so just kind of helped him when he had questions and when he was nervous, just kind of break the ice and <clears throat> fill in some gaps for him. The same with Alana. We had um, a lot of parents because she was running a game for kids. Parents came up and asked her, is it okay if I sit with my child? Because their kid was nervous to play a game at a con because they didn't know they didn't know anybody at the table. They didn't have any friends there. 
Right. So sure, these were yeah. middle school and younger sat down and they suddenly went shy. They went from screaming, running around to, oh, no, I don't know anybody here. And they just clammed right up. So that a lot of the parents want to hang out with them. But in this case, we've got a lot of adults. I think one of the one of the things I would do is I would be there when the game kicks off, make sure everything's set up, make sure he's got all his bits and pieces. He ran the game already. You saw it. You helped him kind of figure things out. I think he'll be okay. And honestly, I think what Sean just mentioned, that this could be anybody, you can tell him, Brett and Sean get nervous. You can tell him, I don't know if you get nervous, Kojo. I mean, you're a teacher, man. You probably don't get nervous talking. Brett does a pee-pee dance. Like, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. And I tell him, did you go to the bathroom? <laughs> did you go to the bathroom? Go to the, go to the bathroom. Good idea, good idea. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, 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 thanks. Do you have water? Oh, yeah, I need water. Um, <laughs> oh, no, no, leave the gun. Leave, leave the gun. The, oh, okay, no, no gun, leave no, the gun. Gun. No, no gun, no gun, no gun, no gun. Anyway, <laughs> point is... Um, for me, I found that helping them set up like, and it wasn't like, I'm going to run the game for you. I'm not here to countermand your stuff. I'm just here to help you set up. Well, and when they say set up, say, okay, got your, got your game master screen. Yep. Good. You got your screen, got your dice, got your pencil. Do you have the character sheets? And then the kid looks at you like AJ did. He goes, do I just hand the pre-gens to everybody or should they pick? I said, well, the best thing to do, a lot of people like to pick. So put them in a pile, fan them out in front of you. And people go through and pick, oh, that's really cool. It's a small, teeny, nuancey thing. But once people get there, they see it's prepared, they see it's set up, and they buckle in. And I'll tell you right now, man, I have been at cons with some adults running games who are terrible, <laughs> right? Less yeah. less prepared than probably yeah. your son is. So, yeah. yeah. And oh, and by being there up front, too, is if he does forget something, they don't freak. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, I'm done. I can't do this. No, yeah. it's probably something pretty minor. You, you know, forgot your dice or, you know, you forgot. Like, I forgot the adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I had it on a document on Google, and I had my phone with me. Thank and God. literally, I ran the adventure from my, my phone. phone. A phone screen, not like a big 8.5 by 11. And people thought he was amazing. Paper. Man, that guy can run off a phone. No. He's good. <laughs> no, That's what wasn't. everybody said. That was amazing. No, it That's wasn't. probably not what they said. It wasn't not that good. <laughs> anyway, um, I think for, for middle school kids, in my experience dealing with them, is you help set up. You can help make sure they're set. And the last thing I want you to do is helicopter over the top of them. Like, you okay? It's okay. Hey, don't yell at my kid. Hey, the, you're not there to like protect and shield, right? Now, Grant, if you show up and somebody's a complete dickhead right out of the gate, it's nice that you're there. Or just have the, if the kid has a phone text message you or something yeah. like, hey. I actually, I told my kids, I said, and Susan was at the con. I said, here's phones. You can come get us. So if you need a break, take a break. And that's the other thing I instruct both AJ and Lana to do in the running game. If they're running for two hours or four hours, I say, after a certain point, take a break. Yeah. Well, I don't know when. So I look at the adventure they're running because they're very organized. Like they're going to go from here to here to here to here. I say, well, after they accomplish these two things, take a 10-minute break. Oh, that's a good idea. Everybody goes away, goes pee, whatever they do, come back with their soda and their snack and sit back down. Everyone check in perspective and make sure it wasn't helicoptering around the kids. They said, hey, AJ, here, I brought you a bottle of water and some chips. Oh, thanks, Dad. He's back to running. And when I check in, I'm watching from the outside, right? If he's getting ridden hard by a bunch of adults who are just giving him shit and don't want to and don't want to play with him, you know, I'm I'm enough of that guy who'd walk up and go, "All right, guys, really, really." You yeah, know, I don't foresee that happening. I don't see that happening. No, nah, not a whole table. And that no, not a whole table. No. And the other thing is that, from my perspective, you show up, you say, "Hey, this is." Hi, I'm Chase. I'm gonna. I'm the game master. Oh, that's really cool. Yep. And you say, yep, he's my son. Really proud of him. He's been running a lot of games. This is really cool. You don't have to tell everybody, and this is not just for Kojo. You're a smart man, Kojo. You don't say, well, my son's really nervous about running a game because that's like going, yeah, my son pees a lot. So I hope he, <laughs> he's really upset if anybody notices that. You know, it's, I'm making this up, but you don't, you don't point out the foibles right out of the gate, obviously. Right. right? Yeah. So, but I think if you if you're there, you help set up. And then check in. Once it's going, you can tap and go, hey, buddy, I got I to gotta run for a minute. I'll be back in, a, in about five or ten. Okay. And then you're off and come back. Even if all you do is just walk and come back a little bit and just see how it's going, it's that let them go for a while. That's, that's work for me. I don't know if other gamers out there have had similar ideas or advice or if, I'm, if somebody said, oh, I tried that thing Brett did and it didn't work. 
<laughs> let me know. But I know every child is different, and I could not parent Chase the same way I parent my two, nor could Gojo do that the other way around. So, Gojo, man, I hope that helps. Hope it's not too crazy. But um, honestly, he's run the game. You watched him. You helped him herd the cats. You know enough about it. You can give him pointers before the con. Say, hey, look, you know the adventure you're running? Remember this point? Yeah. Make sure before they leave this part of the dungeon, they get the magic key. Because if they don't get the magic key from this room, the rest of the dungeon is a waste for them. It's a con game, so it's supposed to be fun and so on. Or you could say, you know what? Remember, if they don't have it, they can't get anywhere. Oh, yeah, that's right. So you got to either figure out some way to give them the key or do You know what I'm saying? It's just those those parts and pieces. It's like, hey, remember this, remember this, remember this. And uh, I, think, I think it'll be fun. I think one of the things, too, when you talk about him and gaming for for his friends or with his friends, I bet you if he did it even with complete stranger, the kids that are strangers would be a different like the fact that they know him, that's the problem he's having. Oh yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a it's problem. It's the only thing, right? They're they're look. I game with Jeff. <laughs> of course, he's gonna bust my chops, and I'm gonna bust his. Because you guys have known each other how long, right? Forty years. Yeah, I've game with my crew for twenty plus years. Guess yeah. guess what happens when I take the reins? If I give him a name of an NPC that sounds funny, guess right, what? It right. turns into the funny name. Right. Yeah. But if I run a, a game at a con, those guys are not going to bust my chops like Brett busts my chops. No, not that. And vice versa. Exactly. So it's that's the that's the thing he's running, and he's only got one sample. Like he's only you know sample size of one. <laughs> one, sa- one sample size, man, and that's his buddies. Yeah, it's so, tough. Yeah. Anyways, we'll have to let us know how it goes. I know UConn, yeah, is in November, I think right after Gamehole Con or the same weekend. I think it's that weekend after. It might be, yeah. Yeah, that's why a lot of people choose between UConn and Gamehole Con. Let us know how it goes. I'm sure you'll do fine. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool, man. All right, let's, let's get into the main topic. Well, so we were going to talk about something. Yes, we were going to talk about suboptimal play based on a uh, Matt Colville video. And then both Sean and Brett realized that, one, Sean didn't watch the video. I did not. Brett <clears throat> did not re-review the video in time. And we're like, okay, I know what it's about. We can paraphrase through this, blah, blah, blah. And we both were like, yeah, you know. And I started talking about my new Delta Green game. And Sean's like, you know what? Yeah. We're going to put you on the spot, dick. <laughs> we're going to yeah. ask you stuff about your game for a while. So here we are. We're talking about my new game. Yeah, so we're going to do what we do best and have Brett talk for an hour. <laughs> Sean's just going to – Sean's taking his headphones off right now. He's just kicking okay. back. Going to make a sandwich. Yeah, he'll be back. <laughs> so All right, Brett. So you so you started your new Delta Green game. Yeah, and I have to say that one of the reasons – I've wanted the new version of Delta Green for a while. I'm, I'm Why? a big Delta Green fan. Yeah. I love this stuff. You used to run it. I have run it before, and I liked – all the previous history and so on. I'm like, I'm curious to see what they did with it because I know some of the rules have changed and I love the world. And I'm like, Hey, one of the things about it was that it was very 1990s, early two thousands. Let's see what they've done because it's alternate history, right? It's yes. alternate current hit like shit happening now. Like Trump is yeah, president. They, they, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they went that far. Yeah. I didn't read all the way up into yeah. the modern age. Like, yet. Hey, it's, it's modern. And why would anybody use a Dropbox? Why would anybody use a green box? Why don't you use your cell phones? Why don't you use these secure comms? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Because, hell, even the first time when I ran Vampire back in the early 90s, none of us had a cell phone at that time because they were expensive. Yeah. <laughs> no one had them. And big. Yeah, and now they're ubiquitous. Everybody's <laughs> got one. So it changes the flavor. I wanted to see what they did with it. And it was it was really, it's. I like it. It's it delivered. Cool. It delivered. It absolutely delivered. Very, All right, very so- happy with it. The original game. Oh, one more thing. I do have to say this is the reason I want to go back to Call of Cthulhu was twofold. We've been playing a lot of D&D, Avalon, Fantasy. Well, I love that stuff. Sean's been talking about Call of Cthulhu. Mm. And while I'm watching him get excited about it, I'm like, you know, goddamn, I need to run some Cthulhu again. I need to do this. However, I want to pull Delta Green out. So, Sean, you inspired me, man. That was a good choice, Brett. Had to tell you. Yeah, well, that's the least I could do is... Uh. It is. Inspire Brett. It is the least, really. 
but <laughs> but the original so I didn't have uh the original Delta Green. Mm-hmm. And I thought so is there much difference in in the mechanics in the background? So mechanically speaking, basic role playing hasn't changed a whole hell of a lot. Right. I think the newer system, I honestly didn't go back and do a hardcore compare contrast. Right. I like the way they're doing uh, bonds, bonds between your family back home, your special ops, crazy ass Delta green person goes through a thing. They need to save some sanity and they get some willpower back. They go home and they spend time with their brother. Who's a priest. And that bond drops because I'm taking from the bond to improve myself. And later on, I do something else, and I skip taking my son to the ball game because I need that bond point so I can succeed at, on this mission. So you can you burn yourself, that. You yeah. yourself, your character my becomes character. an emotional vampire. Yeah, your character is like <laughs> you need this in order to survive. And at a certain point, you can like end up being like, look, the only bonds you, the only people you can bond with are Delta Green people because you're seeing the unnatural, the, the Cthulhu mythos. You're seeing shit the world is not meant to see. And part of the concept is I've never been in combat. My friends who have been in combat will have told me many times that the saying is true. When you talk to other men and women who have been in combat, they have a thing they can discuss that I will never understand. I don't get it. Yeah, And it's it's a similar approach, right? Insofar as take that concept and say, hey, you're, you guys, you men and women are dealing with the mythos right now. And... There's no, you can't talk to people about that. No one's going to get it. And you're no. also not supposed to tell anybody about it because it's fucking driving them insane. That's right. Well, so maybe we should, we should maybe even talk about, because there's going to be people that listen to the show that may not have any clue what Delta Green is. Yeah. So what Delta Green is, is <clears throat> what, what, um, uh, Detweiler, Tynes, M. Scott Glancy, Greg Stolte, um, uh, Ken Hyten and many others have been involved in over the years. So what Delta Green did was one well, of the problems that Call of Cthulhu has is the one, it works really well in the twenties simply because that's when the original game came out. It's really neat. People want to play it in the modern times. It kind of got well, some, it didn't, it didn't come out in the twenties. No, no, no. It's set. Originally set in the twenties. Thank, yeah. thank you. My bad. When it came out, it was set in the twenties. There's reasons for that. We can get into another time, but anyhow, well, they did Cthulhu Modern and stuff. It was kind of there, kind of not. But one of the problems is that in the Cthulhu mythos itself, I can only think off the top of my head of like two stories. There's only a handful of them where it's a group of people doing a thing. Right? The Dunwich Horror, Morgan Rice and Armitage go to take care of the Dunwich Horror because they find out stuff. Many, many times. It's one investigator. It is one person dealing with the mythos. It's not a group endeavor. So how the hell do I get these people to work together? Well, Delta Green says, you're all part of, you're all part of a special operations group that's designed by the government to take care of this shit because they know about it. They know about it because of the raid on Innsmouth, they learned about Deep Ones. They learned about all sorts of stuff, about the Migo, about the Greys, about... All sorts of craziness. It becomes a government conspiracy group that's designed to take care of this stuff. Multiple changes in the government happens, and different at different points in history, they're either funded, not funded, they have to go rogue, they work in a... So traditionally, what's happened with Delta Green is when the game first came out, your characters were in a cell, a three to X number of person cell unit, usually three to four people, and your cell reported up to a cell. And you would get just enough information to do the job. You did the job, figured things out, and then moved on, destroyed the, destroyed it, whatever it was you had to do. You were not officially sanctioned by the government because Delta Green had been shut down. Majestic 12 was out there trying to do their thing. They're kind of your antithesis, your, one of your enemies. And so what your characters are doing is, I'm an FBI agent. Sean's a CIA agent. We lie, cheat, steal manipulate our own books and records and get assigned to events so that we can both end up uh, to deal with this thing in Puxatawney. That's why we're here. We yeah, are Puxatawney Phil. Yeah. Cause that's a problem, right? That's right. Everybody Groundhog that. day. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's very time reoccurrence. Yeah, not good. 
Not no. good. Not good at all. <laughs> but anyway, you are basically you're breaking the law because you have no official sanction to do this thing. You find out there's a problem at the seaside village up in Alaska, and you assign yourself to it. Acel calls you and says, "Hey, there's it's the it, the phrase is a night at the opera. You're going. It's an op. It's a night at the opera. You're going. You don't say no. You get your shit and you go." That's the way I like to do my adventures, Brett. <laughs> well, the beautiful parts about it is that you're like, hey, you have a job and you're going to go do it. That's why you're doing it. So there's the background provided. It's, it's lush. It's rich. It's tons of history and different pieces and parts and stuff in New Orleans and how they work with groups or have worked with groups in Russia and Canada and the UK. It's great. The Chocho, the horrible, cannibalistic, nasty people out of um, – Columbia and um, Laos and those areas. It's just, it's brutal. And it's all folded in. It's really, really neat, lush background. But the cool part is that you have a group of people who are working together for a cause and they're going to show up. They're going to go take care of the problem. Now, great. They're individual people. They're still role playing involved and so on. But it really cuts right to the heart of the thing. Here's a mission. Go fucking do it. That is a conceit of the, of the environment that you're playing in. Does that make now, sense? How, yeah. Now, how much. Now, how much do your players know about the background of Delta Green? Because the 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 hand the was it handler's the, guide. The handler's guide gives you the entire history. Yeah, and there and literally the player characters are to know very little. Lenny knows a lot of the original Delta Green stuff. He does not know anything about the newer stuff. Hmm. And I did, and I told him he said, "Should I buy it?" I said, "Don't." He yeah, said, okay. okay. I said, don't do it. I said, because he's a good enough gamer, he would play past it. Yeah, of course. I dropped a name. He went, oh, my God. <laughs> I said, "This the building, who's it owned by? It's SLZs. And they all and went, motherfucker. <laughs> if you know the old world, Stephen LZs, that's is an interesting dude. Yeah. I think one of the last people who killed him, and he said it was a, due to a professional misunderstanding, and that's why the other person wasn't was allowed to live. Um. <laughs> He's interesting. Anyway, I just dropped it in there as an homage, and it's also a piece of, of the plot. But right. anywho, Lenny knows stuff. The other guys know mythos. So they saw a thing, and somebody said, oh, that's a night gaunt. And I looked at him, and I go, yeah, my character doesn't know that, though. They were just tickled pink. That they're like, oh, my God, he pulled out a night gaunt. That's a cool monster. They all reacted appropriately. They didn't know what the fuck it was. Right. Now, Zave knows fuck all about it. He knows, like, big chunks like what Cthulhu is, what a Shoggoth is, Nilothotep. Yeah, but not the but not the grand scheme. No, of things. they don't understand the grand scheme. And Nick does not know any of it, really. <laughs> and that's what, that's the awesome because yeah. that's the best thing because they have no idea because you're basically part of the conspiracy. So here's here's a fun piece. Um, Nick, Nick is um, Nick is he's ex army, mm-hmm. and uh, I call him my Nick my Nickopedia. What were they, what, what's that vehicle called like this? That's a Bradley. Thank you. Yeah. Um, what's this? Oh, that's a this. Oh, that's a this. Oh. Tell them to give you all the nomenclature. Oh, yeah. I I asked. Yeah. I said something, and Nick goes, oh, you're saying bop, 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 bop. He spoke an acronym for like two paragraphs. I'm like, son of a bitch, dude. He's He knows his stuff. Ask him if how he knows how to PMCS a Bradley. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just. He, he will, so. Yeah. And I put the guys north of Baghdad. He's like, oh, okay. So the only city near here is blah, 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 because he was been there. So <laughs> he's fun. He's It's great because anytime somebody's like, well, I think I could do this. Nick goes, yeah, that's a special forces thing. Yeah, that, that, that's legit. Okay, okay cool. <laughs> just as he has encyclopedic knowledge of, you know, he spent so many years in and just knowing and learning and understanding. So it's just fun. But he's reacting as... <clears throat> An ex-Delta um, sniper forward observer would act because right. he doesn't know shit about the mythos. He doesn't understand Delta Green at all. It's the first time he's played the system. He played RuneQuest ages and ages ago, so he's v- vaguely aware of the BRP system. That's it. He's never played <clears throat> Cthulhu? No. I don't think oh. he ever has, or if he has, it's been so long ago, it's really not even up. He's not up on it. That's an interesting dynamic with that party. It is. It's fun because the people who know the stuff are shutting their mouths and just grinning right. at the right points. 
which is which is which I think is frankly is awesome because I was a little worried that the fear, the the oh my god, the unknown, what is this? I'm not in control. The the freak out points might not happen because oh, it's a it's a oh, it's yeah. a it's a it's a. I chose different symbols, so I found some different symbols for the for the cult and the uh, the stuff that they're working with. So there's no. It's not an obvious yellow sign. It's not an elder sign. It's not a this. It's not a that. Not the Vorish sign or anything else. It's a very different symbol. And I'm like, huh? Yeah. That's weird. What's that about? They they find a statue in the desert. Oh, so it's got tentacle feelers. Oh, yeah, Call of Cthulhu. I said, nope, it actually looks like this. They're like, huh. That's different. So from that perspective, it, the the team has been doing very, very well from a player from a player side of the screen, right? They're not being dicks and say, oh, I know what that is. Oh, that's one of those. Oh, that's this. I run away. Alpha's first character died in 45 minutes. Yeah, baby. Yeah. That's good money there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah his character, Depiti, I can't remember the rest of her name, but she, archaeologist, Hindu, uh, Indian, and she's there in the desert with them working. And this is their whole introduction to Delta Green. I chose to do this as kind of a, we're going to start off, no one's involved, and they're slowly but surely get involved. And they're being involved at this point simply because on accident, they're exposed, and then afterwards there's a mission where they're tested to see, do they keep their mouth shut, do they react appropriately, what kind of questions and craziness do they ask afterwards. But the PT is running, Lenny's, Lenny's character, Martin or something, is like, get back here! She turns and da 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 the AK goes off, black Roll damage. So how many points you got? 10. So, ah, you took 12. You're dead. Because at two, you're unconscious. At zero, you're dead. That's it. And uh, I told them all ahead of time when we we're making characters, I said, remember, this isn't, there is no magic to heal you. You don't run to the doctor with a shattered kneecap. He patches you up and you're out in a week, right? You lose a lot right. of hit point. There are rules and stuff for healing. And there, yes, it's a game. So it doesn't, it's not incredibly super ultra realistic. Because we're not talking about different components, but you can have permanent wounds and limps and all sorts of stuff can happen here, guys. Remember, if you get shot, and one of the reasons I did it was I had a fight breakout um, because I wanted to use the, the combat system, use the single shot, burst, spray, throw grenades, have people get in fist fights, do all that stuff. So we knocked out the, ding, the dings and dents like, oh, this is how this works. It's all percentiles. And one of the things I love about this character sheet is everything's on it. What do I need? You're doing this, roll your occult. Use occults of 42. He rolls a 50, gets nothing, right? It's it's very, very simple. Yeah. I love the way that they're doing sanity as well this time because to get toughened to certain things, you can't, I mean, the un, the unknown mythos things, you can't like get used to that. You see, you know, Great Cthulhu rise 15 times. You fucking go crazy 15 times. There's nothing you can do about that. However, if you're, if somebody has suppressing fire, you can spend willpower points. You can basically burden yourself and toughen yourself to do things. It's not normal because people don't just stand out in front of a big modus while she's pumping 50 cow shells over your head, right? People duck for cover. But between violence and, um, and fear of shit, uh, helplessness. You can, if you save on your uh, sanity checks, you check a little box. Once you get three of them, you're hardened. And some of those things don't bother you as much. So you can get hardened or used to certain things, but the mythos itself, the unknown, the unnatural, there's nothing you can do there. That's always going to bite you. So what is the... What is the premise of your campaign? How are you, what did you come up with to run these guys through? So let's see. I don't know if anybody listens, so I'll only do, I'll do this. So what I want to do. If you're part of Brett's group, don't listen to the rest. Don't listen to any of this show. Yeah, yeah. Up, Why would you? The main topic, any, anything earlier, fine. Yeah, but don't not, do it. Don't, don't do listen it. to the main topic. So what I want to do is start them in the desert because <laughs> I want to do something different. Um, and because Nick had been to the desert a number of times. I'm like, hey, this would be cool. He knows some stuff. He's willing to let me leverage his knowledge. And what I'm doing is I'm actually taking something from Graham Walmsley's Stealing Cthulhu 
book idea we talked about a number of episodes back. And instead of some of the classic, oh, you find a statue, oh, you find a this, it's tied into a serpent cult at this point. And I dropped uh, Ancient Hyperborea, which is a thing because Robert E. Howard and H.P. Lovecraft wrote in the same time. They're actually friends, pen pals. They wrote back and forth quite often. So Libera Vonis, the, uh, the book of Ebion, they're finding clues and hints towards these things, which are ancient books of magic, or as Delta Green calls it, hypergeometry, from uh, ancient Hyperborea. And I have, I have this because I'm a Conan fan. I have a lot of knowledge and space in the Hyperborea and then what that does to King Cull. So what this is amounting to is if you've ever seen a map of Robert E. Howard's Hyperborea, it's basically Pangea, right? Africa smashed into um, Europe and so on. Now, outside of that was Cull. Cull the Conqueror had Mu, Lemuria, Atlantis, and so on. All that stuff is in the, is in his general cosmos as well. And because it's there, it's at least connected in part to Lovecraft's cosmos. Now, Lovecraft mentions this type of thing. So what's happening is the serpent cult, if you know anything about Conan, Conan is constantly fighting, I shouldn't say constantly, but they, they, the evil sorcerers, they worship Set. Set is the old serpent out of Stygia and so on. So what they're going to find out is that places in the modern world are now where ancient Mu, Lemuria, Atlantis were. They've just simply moved. They either sank, moved, and rose again, or the Pangaea broke with the Hyperborean Age ended and things shifted and changed. There's key places I want them to hop across the planet to have to go find this thing. I took some of that idea from what you reminded me about is Mastodon and Lothotep. They got to go around. They have to get places to find things. My biggest challenge for myself isn't to have them do that stuff and dig into it because it's a serpent cult. It's nasty. There are a couple ancient sorcerers that a few cultists are trying to raise back. I'm thinking Thothamon and again, digging into my Robert E. Howard stuff which will help tremendously to throw some of the group off because, well, Beta knows a lot about Robert E. Howard. The rest of them don't. <laughs> so I say Muthulan, which is another one, or Thothaman, Raman, this person, that person, he just doesn't have those, you know. The other, I shouldn't say doesn't have those. The, the group doesn't know what all those are, so that'll be fun. But Masanara Thotep cruises all over the place, but I want to try to stay as focused it's about the serpent cult, and this is a thing. Because, as you pointed out, one of the key pieces that the Handler's Guide stresses is that you don't know everything. Even Delta Green does not know everything. Modern Delta Green is broken into two strains, the Cowboys and the Program. The Program is actually now an official, quote-unquote, buried in that $2,000 toilet seat and a $5,000 pen budget somewhere getting funded by the government, where the outlaws are the old school Delta Green men and women who want nothing to do with the government. They ostensibly work together, kind of, sort of, but anyway. So are you guys all, are they all cowboys or what? They don't know what they're doing yet. Oh, they-, they haven't, all they know is they were in the desert. They're on a, on a dig site. There's this Operation Bread Drop. It's this big humanitarian effort thing that's coming to the Middle East. All these civilian groups in the U.S. and Europe and whatever, they all banned Red Cross, all these different groups, you know, Bikers for bikers for Jesus or whomever they all put the, all this stuff together. They want to go humanitarian aid, and through different parts of Afghanistan stuff, the uh, the opium trade was pretty is pretty big or it used to be in certain areas. So what they're trying to do is provide aid to the war torn area. It's a civilian led thing, but supported and protected by UN and the military. US modern day twenty modern, modern day like right now. Yep. Okay. So the U.S. has deep pockets, so that's why they're there. They show up. And people are doing it. They're, they're there from all different branches. I got one guy who wanted to be a U.S. Marshal. He's like, why am I here? I said, you're, you're a goodwill ambassador, dude. You're just here. This sucks. <laughs> Marshal. Yeah. So he's there. I got an ex-Delta guy who's now a mercenary working for like a Blackwater type of thing. We got two archaeologists, um, another um, full-time Army Ranger, and Spetsnaz type of guy, uh, Russian. Hmm. Russian dude. He wanted, he's again, it's a big Russian humanity. intelligence Russian, guy or? Yeah. Um, yeah. Russian military, not hmm. intelligence. Excuse me. Okay. Gotcha. 
but he's there. He's just, it's a big unit. And for some dumbass reason, these lucky bastards get picked to go out on this archaeological dig. <clears throat> the problem is, is there is a, there's a religious leader. So when they come into the area, they say, yes, you can do this. They come in, they pay, they pay the proper respects to the different leaders and so on. But Colonel Masterson says, look, guys, here's the deal. The only way we can get this stuff done, make everybody happy, is we have to do this stupid thing. These archaeologists are here. <clears throat> You're going out to this little half moon-shaped bowl area. You're going to dig there. It's supposed to be this religious significant site. This religious leader, Salah, believes that he's been doing a really good job uniting different versions of very radical terrorist Islamic states type of thing. He's kind of keeping things calm. Somehow, some way, he seems to be a calming influence within Baghdad and some of the surrounding areas. So what we're doing is we're going to do this thing. And the question is, so the leaders want this done? I said, no, the behind the scenes guy, the religious leader. He's never at the meetings, but he's asking you through the government officials that want to curry his favor to do this thing for him. And then he will send word through his people that this is okay and you can dig in their desert. <clears throat> All right, fine. So you go dig, dig, dig. And I steal two names from Lovecraft directly. I have Dr. Morgan and Dr. Rice, which are... Uh, from Arkham, Massachusetts. They're professors. They're straight out of Dunwich Horror. I stole their names. And it should be noted that those things exist in Delta Green, mm -hmm. like Ensmith and... Ensmith, Arkham, Massachusetts, yes. um, Dunwich, all that stuff. Red Hook, yeah. it's all there. Right, yeah. Yep. <clears throat> so they go, they start digging, and Lenny and Alpha are both playing archaeologists, and the NPC archaeologists are just dicks. They won't talk to him. They treat him like lackeys and so on. It becomes very clear that especially the one uh, German individual is very secretive. Um, they have a very specific goal in mind. They always chatter together. They come up with a plan. They give orders and they walk away. And all the maps, all the information to dig is in this briefcase that's always handcuffed to the German archaeologist at all times. Of course it is. <clears throat> of course it is. <laughs> so they find an idol. Once the idol is found, things start getting crazy. They hear, they start overhearing stuff. These four people are acting crazy. The um, sniper team shows up and kills, NPC sniper team shows up and kills the German professor. All hell breaks loose at that point. Because then in the distance, somebody calls, somebody grabs a comms, wants to talk back to headquarters, which is the village where Colonel Masterson is taking care of the humanitarian aid while they're out doing this stupid ass, like, three-hour drive into the desert, go, yeah, everything, oh, my God, boom, explosions. They look at distance, they can see the smoke rising. Something's happening there, some horrible thing. They see this the, the convoy of trucks. They got the, the high-end glass. They're looking, and they just see trucks. Um, you know, the old beat-up Toyota pickup truck you see in the old, all the terrorists use, right, in the, in the movies and stuff. They, they see that, like, oh, fuck me. Morgan Rice, everybody gunfire. They're like, oh, my God, they killed the sniper. They killed the spotter. Crazy, crazy, crazy. They grab this stuff. That's when Alpha gets shot. <laughs> and come to find out that what they were doing was they were sent there. The Delta Green guys had sent the sniper and the spotter there as, as actual undercover cover on this whole thing. When they got, <clears throat> when they spotted the idol, saw what it was, they called it in, they were given a kill. So, pow, they took out the German guy and they started working their way through. Well, then, of course, Nick and the, the PCs murder the NPC snipers, not knowing any different. And things just go to hell from there. Then they drive out, they start seeing weird symbols. They see a pyramid of bodies piled up and on fire. It gets stranger and stranger. They eventually get to a, a military base. They drug off on the far end of the base. Like, huh, this isn't, we passed the mess hall, we passed the medic station, we're covered in blood, uh, neat, walk into the Air Force hangar, or, air, you know, the airplane hangar, and just before they go in, they're like, you, please, you know, we need you to disarm. Somebody starts taking issue with it, and Nick looks at me, and he said, what did they say? They said, they say, I've been asked to request as politely as possible that you leave your weapons here. He's like, okay, all right, I get it, take my stuff off. <laughs> Like, I'm going to get shot if I don't do it. He's telling me as politely as he can, like, look, I'm being asked to do this nicely. It's going to get ugly. 
real quick. He's not threatening you, but we got to do this. They go in. They meet a four-star general named Alphonse, who says he's Alphonse anyway. Right. Which is a callback to Acel from, I don't know if Lenny picked up on that or not, but, and then he's like, hey, you guys did a really good job. We're going to take that idol. We're going to take all those papers. They couldn't figure out the papers. They saw some weird Honorabe Chirotechia note, which is the bizarre Nazi occult version uh, foe of Delta Green from the original Delta Green. Snuck them back in as a weird little kind of a, what, which angle is this? Is it two foes, three foes? How many foes are we fighting? They take all the notes. They take all the stuff and say, look, here's the deal. We got something we need done. We need you guys to go to this warehouse in Egypt where this German individual had a safe house. Our intel says they go through his big briefing about this, 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 and this. So we need you to go either there or deal with Rice and Morgan who someone's using their identity in Tel Aviv actively doing something. So where do you want to, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? So two missions. They choose to go to Egypt and uh, they end up killing more Nazis, which is always fun. Um, they encounter uh, Night Gaunt very briefly, just and it terrorizes Lenny's character for a little bit, which is always fun. And then um, nobody, <laughs> they find more snake motifs. They find books. They find this weird, like big, hole in the wall and in front of that is it looks like somebody has um pulled his skin off of himself like from his mouth just wrapped it out of himself like there's this big saggy pile of human like somebody took off like a sock right just a soggy wet gym sock of a person's flesh laying there and there's a slithering flapping high pressure water hissing sound somewhere down the tunnel nobody wants to go down the tunnel (laughs) strange yeah which is strange but they uh they found out a lot of stuff they get they get in they get out they come back and in this point this is delta green watching them say huh y'all done good that was good you got in you got out you were told to cover it up and so on it's a fire they made it was very clean it was destructive but it was clean there was no obvious link to them or anything else or what they were there to do. They took all the evil artifacts, brought them back, delivered them as they were told. Nobody read any books, which I was disappointed on. Nobody cracked into the computer yet, which again, I'm disappointed on. Um, But that's where we ended at the end of that. It was pretty good. Sounds awesome, dude. Well, the mechanics that they have for bonds and stuff are these home little vignettes you can run. So when your characters are home is when you get to deal with all your bonds. So we're going to go through that at the start of every session, which I'm going to tell them, okay, this is how this works. Next game we play. Um, you, cause Nick had said, I need to call one of my bonds. Uh, I want to make a phone call. Can I do that? Yes, you can. It was, oh yeah, we should all do that. So we'll do that next time, which is a perfect segue. So they'll get to interact with their bonds, maybe spend some points, lose some stuff, whatever they do there. And then I will reinforce with them. Now, remember, as you go on, you can actually burn bond points through the game. And then at this vignette, at the next session, you have to explain as to how you destroy that person's life. Mm-hmm. Or what have you done to wreck the bond with your mother? What have you done to wreck your best friend's marriage? What did you do? Oh, you know, <clears throat> what did you do? You know, how, how, what did you do, Ray? How did, what did you do, Ray? <laughs> You're a god. You say yes. So that's what's going on. The guys love it because there's so far they have because of where they are, they have been well funded. And I wanted them to be able to get big guns, Barrett yeah. 50 Cal sniper rifles, right. machine guns, grenades, yeah. tear gas, night vision goggles. Like, yeah, this is all fucking cool. This is awesome. This is gonna slowly but surely get whittled away. I'm not gonna have shit. <laughs> As they move on and on, like <laughs> This one's a little sneakier. You got to leave that Barrett behind here. You get a uh, Beretta P4. Take that. That's it? Yeah, sorry. The only thing you can get in here is a handgun. I mean, that's probably it. Maybe maybe an MP5, maybe. Yeah, traveling modern day with big uh, 50 cals, uh, just that, that doesn't happen. Yeah, and at a certain point, depending what you're doing, and they still haven't really figured out who the hell they're really working for, right? Of course not. Is it the program? Right. Is it the Cowboys? 
is it something totally different that's using them to get at Delta Green? They have no right. fucking idea. Yeah. The players are assuming they're all, Delta, it says Delta Green on the cover. I assume that's who I am. He, he, he. <clears throat> I explained to Lenny a couple of things, and I said, uh, Zave might try to, to uh, we always joke, he's going to lick the lick the idol. You know, he's going to do something. Right. Read the of book. JR will dig into something. And I said, well, then what happens is that if he goes bad, Insane, he becomes a liability, then he becomes the op. And if you guys don't take care of the op, then you all become the op. And I said, you know what? That's actually a classic end to a Delta Green game where Delta Green is to come and kill all you fuckers because you all became too risky. <laughs> He's like, right. and he looked at me and he goes, I would totally take that. That's an awesome <laughs> ending. So it's <clears throat> it's going over really well. And I think it has, I said this before, one of the things that my group likes is crunch. They do like their crunchy bits. And because there's gear, there's options, you don't just go pew, pew, pew. You can fire a single shot. You can fire a burst. You can fire a spray. Some people are like, who cares, Brett? My team likes that stuff. Sure. They like that. They love being able to go through and look at the skills. How do I do this? If I fail, I get to check a box and roll a D4 minus one and see if I get something new. How do I use willpower if I do this, that, and the other thing? They were really, they really like has enough crunch for them. Yeah. Now, the other thing I did that for the very first time ever was one of the things that Delta Green has, and it says, hey, you can roll dice to make a character. You could do a point system, or you could do assigned statistics. I chose assigned stats. There's a well-rounded, uh, there's like an average, well-rounded, or focused. There, you're, All your stats are above average this way, but there's like 117, da, 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 da. <clears throat> so no one will... Accidentally end up with three 18s on their character sheet. No one will end up with a totally useless character. One person asked me, well, nothing's below average. I said, you can be below average. Well, I get the point to spend somewhere else. I said, I didn't say that. I said, if you want to be below average, you can. <laughs> oh, but well, I should get the points back. No, no. Huh. Oh, okay. That's just my rule. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. You're not, you're not going to dump your charisma down. Right. And then they start looking and go, holy fuck, charisma. If I have an eight in charisma, that's all the points I have with this bond. Every bond I have starts with my charisma for points. And then it's going to do nothing but go down. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not helpful. Man, maybe a 12 in charisma would have been better than an eight. Yeah, maybe it would have been. Maybe. So it's it's pretty cool. I don't know. I have not read enough of the new Call of Cthulhu rules, the seventh edition stuff. But they have, we have a luck roll. Where it comes down to flat luck, you just roll percentiles, it's 50%. That's it. I don't know hmm. if that's the same for you guys, but in Delta Green, a luck, you like, look, oh shit, did I, would I have a flashlight with me? You know what? Give me a luck roll. Clack 60. Too bad, no, no flashlight. Fuck. Yeah, I think it, I mean, it's, it's similar, I think. Do you get, do, do you guys, in your Cthulhu game, do you have the critical successes and fumbles on like the, the doubles? Yes. Okay. And what we're saying here is that if you have a 50% chance to do something, you roll a 44, a 33, a 22, 11, or a 1, those are all critical successes. Cool shit happens. Right. One of the things the guys liked is when they look at the, at the stuff, it says lethality as a percentage for weapons, and then a basically, what was it, a kill radius? <laughs> like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> So basically, if a weapon is has lethality rating of like twenty percent, you say, "Okay, brap, roll roll percentiles." What'd you get? I rolled a fifty nine. Okay, they don't die outright, but instead they take nine plus four. They all take fourteen points of damage. Fuck yeah, they're dead anyway. <laughs> it's gonna kill you. <laughs> it's gonna freaking kill you. And while it was fun to shoot Nazis and have Nazis die quickly, they did realize the extent. As soon as the bullets started flying, everyone grabbed cover. Everybody started grabbing cover because they all distinctly remembered Alpha's character getting her brain splattered all over Lenny's character. Like, yeah, that was that was like two hours ago, Brett. We didn't we didn't forget that one. We're still diving for cover. So it's pretty interesting. I'm very, very pleased with how it started off. Sweet, man. Now, from me telling you this, and you're running Call of Cthulhu as you've been running it, you've been in the twenties. Does this modern approach sound more attractive or just different? Or what do you think? Probably different, but I don't know if more attractive, but I like the espionage. Yeah, that's why I was wondering. That's why I was wondering if they. Yeah, that itches away. That itches at me a little bit. So we shall see. Maybe I will run 
Delta Green. It's I will run it at some point. I just don't know when. Maybe it's at a con. Maybe it's maybe it's with my maybe it's with Jeff's Jeff's group. I don't, although I don't know if they would. I think they would run. They play Delta Green. Give it a shot. Yeah, Jeff thinks he's like Rambo, but yeah, I think Delta Green would mess with his head. I think um what. I think the cool part about it for people, ah, call you go mad, you go insane, blah, blah. You do get guns. Now, there's rules, and they're like, look, this thing is impervious to bullets. It, it, I can't remember what the actual term is, but like, look, you shoot it all you want with a grenade launcher, nukes. It doesn't care. Mortal weapons cannot harm this thing. Y'all got to find another way right. to deal with it. Yeah. But lots of other monsters, you can you can fucking shoot. Right. You can True. Sh- you can shoot deep ones. Yeah, that's a, that does have that appeal to probably players. That's why I'm running pulp so that the guys and gals action. that yeah that don't like getting there. Oh, I got to run away every time I see something. Mm. They can they can do some pulp pulp stuff. They can kind of hold their ground a bit. Yeah. Now, one of the nice things <clears throat> that I really think Arc Dream Publishing did with this new version of Delta Green is they touted it as being fully compatible with the X number of years previous, and it is. And I read through it. If I go back and grab any of the other ones, I've got Countdown, I've got Eyes Only, um, the original Delta Green book, all, all that shit that I have. I, I can look at it, and the rules may be slightly different, but at the end of the day, it's percentile, right? hit points, sanity, how much does it drain, that, 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 that's it. But the the stories, the, hey, the Black Cod, which is this group of, um, it's basically a deep one thing up in Alaska, the... Um, the the Kopsky, the Kopsy, I think is how it's pronounced. It's this weird ass cult out of Russia. You have there's a ghoul cult, a ghoul cult from Russia that used to worship Stalin as the great provider. <laughs> ghouls eat, and ghouls in Lovecraft only eat the dead. There's um, they talk about the ghouls down in New Orleans from one of the other from one of the other books. All that stuff they they tie it all together in one way or another, which they I, did a bang up job. And enough that I can mine all the old things for when I see a gap and they'll say something. When I say a gap, they'll say, assumed, yeah, the last known Chirotechia was dealt with by this, this, and this. Last known. Well, any game master worth of salt's like, uh-huh, sure they were. Right. I like killing Nazis. Here's what we're going to do. You know, we're <laughs> going to line this up. It's always fun to have somebody a little crazy. But you can pull any of the old Delta Green stuff out adventure wise or anything like that and get inspiration and use the shit directly. And I really like with the, as I said, using Graham Walmsley's stealing Cthulhu ideas is some of the adventures are very like, Hey, you found an idol. Oh, this is kind of deep one ish. Oh, this is very, this type of thing, but I'm changing the creatures and changing the personality types a little bit, similar story, but a different creature. And it is working to throw the players off, which I think is fun. Yeah. Cool, man. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Looking forward to hearing some updates on that thing. It's fun. It was, it's a damn good time. Yeah, I bet. Well, thanks for sharing, Brad. Well, thanks for letting me talk about it, man. All right, let's get into die roll. Do it. All right, die roll. Uh, first one, Descent into Avernus lore, the Hellriders. There's an article on Newbie DM's website. That he wrote uh, for those that are delving into Avernus, the new WotC uh, Wizards of the Coast release for D&D 5e. You know what's hilarious? Somebody uh, posted this up like, as a person, I think it was Tim DeShane, as a person who grew up during the Satanic Panic, it is really weird for me to see official D&D things saying about hell and demons like flat on the cover. Yeah. <laughs> That's, they're not talking about, you know, whatever the hell they called them before during second edition when they changed it from demons and devils to... A bashy or whatever the hell they whatever it was, but anyway, it's I, I've it was just kind of it's kind of neat to see it. <laughs> so if you picked up that book and you want to know more about the Hell Riders, check out Newbie DM's um, article. Uh, second one: How to play Call of Cthulhu seventy improvements and recovery on YouTube, which is a pretty good. There's an animated channel that does animation and talks about Call of Cthulhu, and they did it came across my radar and. Cool. So it's really nice little tutorial stuff that's on there. Really well produced. And then the last one, a little late but never um, forgotten, Operation Pear Drop by Bruce Cunnington. 
So if you want to read more about what that is about, you can go to our forums, he mentioned it, or you can go to drive through and buy the PDF. And I think he has on the forums a link to Lulu if you want a printed copy. It's an Operation White Box um, supplement that he did. I keep me... Operation White Box is one of those games that's on my radar to get. Yeah. Just because um, it seems like it'd be a good system to do a World War II game with. I don't know. I mean, I know of it, but I don't know it much just, about it, the system. And I, I'm on the outside saying, huh, everything I've heard seems like it would be so... This might be less thing to hunt down a PDF, grab it, and buzz through it. Yeah. So check those out. But otherwise, that's all we have this week. Yeah. Next time, I swear to God, we're going to talk about suboptimal play. We'll do our homework, and we'll be ready. I will do the homework. So will I. Sweet. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Hawk Sparrow, Larry Hout, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongrel, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValley, Jason Hobbs, Guy, Roger Braslett, John Hammersley, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Michael Dinos, Jim Fitzpatrick, Christopher Gray, Bruce Cunnington, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Niall Diamond, Angus, Howard Bishop, Stefan Dragonspawn, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Salzweedle, Trevor Davis, The Closet Gamer, Jeff Goat, Aaron Coleman, Ray Otis, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Rich Wishon, Old Scoozer Roleplaying, Jared Rasher, Andy Hall, David Balog, Chad Gleiman, Finolf, Merkel Froelich, Lord Tentacle, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, Josh Wallace, Kevin Lovecraft, Andy Olson, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Jeff Seifert, and Aaron Ralia. For ways to support the show, head over to gamingnbs.com forward slash support dash us. Thanks, BSers. This, this has been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio, Studio production. production.